Welcome to the Christian Retirement Show, where we discuss all things crucial to planning and investing for retirement from a Christian perspective. I'm your host and CFP professional, Eric Shrum. To learn more about working with me, you can visit shrumpw.com and click free portfolio review. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Christian Retirement Show. I'm your host and CFP professional, Eric Shrum. And this week, we have a very special guest with us, and that is actually my dad, Owen Shrum. Dad, how are you today? I'm great and glad to be here with you. Awesome. Well, for those who are unfamiliar, my dad is actually the founder and president of Shrum Private Wealth Management. So before we get started with today's main topic, can you share just a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? A million years ago, I was a chemical engineer and a chemist working out in the industrial world as a a chemical engineer. And in the day in 1984, the big investment firms would hire people successful in other industries to join the Wall Street firms. That's how they did it. So I was offered a job in 1984 to join one of the Wall Street firms. And it seemed a lot better and cleaner than crawling around paper mills. So I took the job. And 37 years later, we are here. Uh, We're the founder of a registered investment advisory firm after a quarter of a century working in the executive ranks for Wall Street firms. And we have a family locally owned business. Awesome. Well, fantastic. And, you know, when we jump into our main topic, I think your story continues a little bit, which we'll touch on. But, you know, today we're going to be continuing last week's episode and we're going to be talking about part two of Byron Wien's 10 stock market surprises for 2022. Now, if you missed last week's episode, go ahead first and go listen to that episode. But we gave an intro to who Byron Wien is and why his 10 stock market predictions each year are so important and well-known in the financial and investment world. And just to recap, Each January for the last 37 years, Byron Wien has released 10 stock market surprises that he doesn't necessarily guarantee will happen, but he says has a a greater chance of happening than most people and the average investor are giving that possibility credit for. And so, you know, Byron Wien has had a monumental career. He's currently the chairman of Blackstone Advisory Partners, was the chief U.S investment strategist at Morgan Stanley, has written some prolific books. But more importantly, Dad, you have a history with Byron Wien as well. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Byron Wien is a legend. And in today's world, everyone, there's a million voices and you can find them everywhere. But before everyone was a pundit, possibly the most eagerly anticipated report every year by investors, executives, industry professionals, and the public was Byron Wien's 10 surprises because he would take out of consensus ideas that people wouldn't think would happen. And through his expertise and his connections, 
which he's possibly the most connected person in Wall Street for the past 50 years. And he would come up with these 10 surprises. And a lot of people have been very successful listening to those and actually taking actions on many of them. So again, I was fortunate enough to work with Byron. I'd say Mr. Weenby always insisted upon people calling him by his first name and have had and have a long history of, of being blessed to follow and at least know, if not be acquainted with, with Byron. And I, it, it, I'm very excited to be able to reintroduce. I mean, he's getting old. He's well into his 90s. Mm-hmm. But he continues with this service, and it's exciting, and it's thought-provoking. So with that, I'm glad to step in and continue the tradition with you, Eric. Perfect. And he has, well, he, meaning you, Dad, you have written a year or two ago an article about Byron Wien that was in U.S. News & World Report, which we'll link to in the show notes. So if you want to check out your article in U.S. News & World Report on that topic, you can do that. But while we have kind of given those intros there, why don't we go ahead, Dad, and jump into the second half of Byron Wien's 10 predictions, number six through 10, and I'll get your thoughts on it. And we can kind of talk a little bit more about these surprises and and what we think about them. Absolutely. So number six, the price of gold rallies by 20% to a new record high. Despite strong growth in the U.S., investors seek perceived safety and inflation hedge of gold amidst rising prices and rising volatility. Gold reclaims its title as a haven for newly minted billionaires, even as cryptocurrencies continue to gain market share. Interestingly enough, this is my opinion now on number six, I read a lot of Wall Street reports by very smart people, Dr. Siegel at Wharton, Dr. Kelly at J.P. Morgan, and so forth. And this is the second and third time I've heard from other smart people saying, look out, gold is no longer the forgotten asset. People may be reclaiming gold as the inflation hedge as they flee some of the volatility of cryptocurrency. Well, that's interesting because gold, I think most people would still think of gold as kind of the stable investment that you should be in uh, to overcome volatility and to be safe, especially people who are maybe in the retirement age thinking about this. They probably associate gold with safety, but it hasn't necessarily been uh, you know the the hedge in recent years that many people have come to believe it to be. And as an example, I think GLD, the gold ETF that follows the price of gold, you know, gold is often seen as a way to protect and hedge against inflation. And we've had record inflation recently, but it's down ten percent as of today off of its record highs. So I think that would be definitely a turn of course for gold to kind of reclaim its its spot as a volatility hedge, wouldn't you say? Yes. Think of it as another non-correlated asset class. Gold, if you look at the charts forever, is almost always one of the worst performing assets as an investment. However, as an asset class, there are spots in history, usually during high inflation times, that gold outperforms 
because of its popularity as a hedge. And I think that's where Byron is picking up this non-consensus idea. Moving on to next at number seven, while the major oil producing countries conclude that high oil prices are speeding up the implementation of alternative energy programs and allowing U.S. shale producers to become profitable again, these countries can't increase production enough to meet demand. The price of West Texas crude confounds forward curves and analyst forecasts when it rises above $100 a barrel. Now, if you don't think this is a non-consensus idea, again, giving my input here, I have a picture that I took of a computer screen in April of 2020. Oil went negative. People would pay you a dollar a barrel to buy it. And it has gone from minus one to 65 in a short period of time when it was thought to be a dead asset class. And Byron Wien, in a very controversial move here, says it's going above $100 a barrel. By the way, I read a report that Goldman Sachs is saying the same thing. How do you feel? Do you think that's going to be the case? Because I think the main concern here, maybe if you're invested in oil futures or energy, the energy sector, which you know most people in a diversified investment portfolio will have some investments in energy. But the main area that people get up in arms with is going to be the gas pump. So what do you think about this? Do you think higher gas prices from already elevated gas prices are going to continue? Yes. And it's even, Eric, it's even more important than that, if I may. Oil has been, because it's been out of favor as we move towards clean energy and and non-carbon based energy sources, particularly in places like Europe, that there's been underinvestment in oil reserves, underinvestment for the past two years in production. And there's such a shortage of supply in oil in Europe right now that it's doubling, tripling, and quadrupling. And there's a saying now in Europe because they've not been able to, but for various reasons, put in enough clean energy to provide heat for the winter if Europe has a cold winter that the phrase in Europe now is heat or eat. It's that expensive. <laughs> and, and and I was talking to a client who is in France right now, and they have a 800-square-foot house in the countryside in France. Their electric bill is running $1,000 a month, and they're not even in the coldest of winter yet. So. Very interesting prediction here. Yeah, that's is interesting. And anytime heat and eat is a phrase, I don't think that's a a, a good phrase that's going to be floating around when you hear that. But that sentiment and this conversation flows nicely into number eight, where Byron Wien talks about nuclear energy here. So let's hit on that one. Suddenly, the nuclear alternative for power generation enters the arena. Enough safety measures have been developed to reduce fears about its dangers, and the viability of nuclear power is widely acknowledged. A major nuclear site is approved for development in the Midwest of the United States. Fusion technology emerges as a possible future source of energy. That now Owen enters here. 
that would be an interesting development. Nuclear energy has been used successfully in Europe for the past three decades. There's been one nuclear power plant started in the United States since the Three Mile Island incident in ah, the 80s or 90s. Mm -hmm. And it has been pretty much dead. It would be um, amongst all the green energy initiatives, it would be very surprising and really interesting to see how this plays out. In report of the fusion technology, I actually did read a separate report, and maybe it's the same one Mr. Byron is reading, that fusion, as opposed to fission nuclear, where you take and put things together and it has no side products or nuclear products and it has always been the black box and the holy grail of, of nuclear energy because it's safe, clean, but you had to have such enormous temperatures for a fusionary reaction to occur that they've never been able to make it happen. Coal fusion has always been the goal. And I did read a report that scientists that are actually making progress in coal fusion and, and then using hydrogen even for electric cars. So to me, this seems like the longest of shots of Byron's ten. <laughs> well, I think your chemical engineer side came out on that one a little bit, but you know, I, I've heard more talk about this as well, just because nuclear energy is so clean and people are so ravenous. It seems for uh, clean energy and moving away from fossil fuels and traditional methods of of energy. So it'll be interesting to see if there is a push towards nuclear energy, despite the fears, because it has been, from my understanding, fears about Chernobyls and Three Mile Islands and that kind of thing that has sparked the hesitancy for nuclear energy. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, absolutely. But the big problem, particularly in the way it used to be made in the United States, is you had hot waste. You had radioactive waste as a byproduct. They've pretty much, nobody knows this, or because no, no, why would anybody really read about nuclear energy anymore? That is no longer an addition problem. They do not have the problem with the hot nuclear waste disposal issues, although for various reasons, environmental costs it would cost billions of dollars to build an electrical plant, nuclear power plant, and probably through all the regulatory controls and approvals, it might take 10 years. So again, it's a long shot. Yeah, that's cool. But that's why he does why he that's why he does this. Right. And he'll be, you know, lauded as a genius if it if it comes true. So let's hit number nine next, because this these build on top of each other nicely. And let me back up. So the listeners will, will have background. ESG is an acronym for what we call social investing, environmental, social, government, clean energy, diversity, uh, sustainability, investing in companies that are forward thinking uh, along the environment, employment policies, diversity issues, sustainability issues. It's a giant hot area right now. And so with that background, ESG investing evolves beyond just corporate policy statements. Government agencies develop and enforce new regulatory standards that require public companies in the United States to public informa information documenting progress on various metrics deemed critical in the new era. 
Federal Reserve governors spearhead implementation of stress tests to assess financial institutions' vulnerability to climate change scenarios. So we're seeing here, to summarize, government agencies really putting regulations to try to push companies into uh, being environmentally and socially responsible based on whatever their definition of environmentally and socially responsible is. Yeah, and I think of all everything I've read through the 10, this is the one that I feel strongest will go through. I know for a fact that one of the 2022 initiatives by the Securities and Exchange Commission is to start disclosing transparency along environmental climate change governance and social programs in a company's annual reports and as fiduciaries for the management and executives of these companies to be held responsible for accurate portrayal of these companies' initiatives. And in addition, I saw where the uh, Gessler of the SEC yesterday said that he may even start forcing private companies to disclose some of this information. And if you look at places like Morningstar and the research analysis, they spend almost as much time analyzing a company's ESG credentials as they do cash flow and balance sheets. So this is a hot issue. It's going to get hotter. And I see this as a high probability of of being coming to fruition. Yeah, well, this is an interesting one. And, you know, you see Google Flights, if you ever try to book a flight on Google, they now have each flight's um, emission standards next to the flight on Google Flights. So stuff like this is coming. And, you know, I think it's going to be, I, I think there's going to be a lot stronger opposition politically than maybe Byron Ween sees here, or maybe you see here. But, you know, I, I can see where a large portion of the country and investors would have issues with things like this being brought down by regulatory agencies on companies that they're investing in. What do you think? No, I, I frankly don't agree with you. I think it's a fait accompli. I think it's going to go through. In addition, it's it's um, people are talking with their wallets or voting with their wallets, rather. And as you know, and maybe a little less so in in the East Coast than the West Coast, but it's an important part of investor selection processes is a company's ESG standards. One of the reasons, going back to number seven, I mentioned an under investment in oil companies. Nobody, Exxon Mobil used to be the second largest company, bigger than in the same place as Apple and Microsoft, second largest company in the world. And now I think it's number 400 because people don't invest in oil companies. End result is they don't have the capital to do some of the initiatives they want. For instance, Exxon now has announced that they're going to spend billions of dollars in carbon initiatives to make Exxon, Exxon a carbon neutral company in 10 years. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the credentials are to pass the standards? Is it going to be environmental? Is it going to be social, uh, which is another hot box issue and kind of what the lines in the sand 
that are going to be drawn here and what that looks like? I think it's going to be carbon output. That's going to be the first litmus test. You're going to see, uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked here. I think next in the next 24 months, you're going to see one of the biggest markets evolve in carbon trade and companies trading and buying carbon credits to, to meet their ESG requirements. So um, jumping then to the last, number yeah. 10, in a setback to its green energy program, the United States finds it cannot buy enough lithium batteries to power the electric vehicles planned for production. China controls the lithium market, as well as the markets for cobalt and nickel used in making the transition transmission rods, and it opts to reserve most of the supply of these commodities for domestic use. Interesting here. So if you know, you're buying a Tesla or the new Ford F-150 EV, this prediction would heavily affect those companies and, and those vehicles. I find this interesting. For, for those in this audience that is in North Carolina or Virginia, one of the big announcements last month was that Toyota plans to build its giant electric battery facility about 60 miles from Raleigh, the capital, in, I think, Randolph County. And so all of Toyota production of their electric batteries will be done in North Carolina for the United States. The interesting thing is, to my understanding, Toyota is opting to pursue hydrogen batteries in addition, if not instead of lithium batteries hmm. because of this issue. I mean, it is true. One of the reasons people really were upset, I'm not in the political sphere here, okay? Don't don't, don't, this is just a fact, not an opinion. But one of the reasons people were very upset that we fled Afghanistan the way we did is guess who is one of, guess which country has the greatest reserves of the, the noble metals used in a lot of these electric batteries? It's Afghanistan. And now between, without access to Afghanistan, some of the third world markets, and of course, China, there may very well be a shortage on all three of these, which are absolutely essential for making batteries with the current technology. Now, that's an evolving technology, which is why I bring up Toyota working in the hydrogen market instead of the lithium market. Yeah, this will be an interesting thing to watch. Um, this is another one I think is I'm a bit skeptical on it having a drastic effect on companies like Tesla and Ford, but it, it certainly could. And I guess why this is a prediction. That's, I think that's the last one. That's the last one. And so that concludes Byron Wien's 10 surprises of 2022. Now there's also, he does a list of also rands and there are things that he thinks are not as relevant or he's not comfortable with saying they are probable, but there's two on here. I want to get maybe a 10 second yes or no opinion for, from both of us on, because I think they're kind of fun topics that people are interested in. And one is the digital economy gets a major boost when Jamie Dimon reverses his position on cryptocurrencies and JP Morgan seeks to become a leader in the cryptocurrency space. Crypto becomes a major factor in the financial markets. And for people who don't remember, Jamie Dimon is very famous as quoting that, you know, Bitcoin is, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's not going to go anywhere and is more of a racket than something that is a real thing. 
I could see this happening in five or 10 seconds. What do you think, Dad? Uh, now, I remember when I started this off, these aren't guesses by Byron Wayne. He is connected to some of the smartest people in the world, and his job for history is he talks to them all the time, including people in J.P. Morgan. And Diamond's already announced this year, since he came out with this, that while he thinks there are issues with cryptocurrency, the clients want that, and they're in the business of providing what their clients want. So I believe, one, they're behind some of the moves to regulate crypto to make it more mainstream. Secondly, as long as clients want it, JP Morgan is going to provide it, as well as other major financial firms and smaller financial firms follow the money. I think it's true. Yeah. And I think JP Morgan was, you know, a bit bearish on it because it's a threat to their business model and traditional yes. finance. So I'm not surprised to see those initial remarks. And then the last one here, that's kind of a fun one, Puerto Rico. And it's relevant to retirees or people who are retiring. Uh, Puerto Rico becomes the new retirement destination of choice. People are attracted by the good weather. Of course, it has great weather and low tax rates. And Puerto Rico has, this is Eric talking, but some of the lowest tax rates are probably the lowest tax rates in uh, you know, the United States territories. Then Byron Wayne says they put aside fears of hurricanes. I think uh, this is a bit of a stretch here. I don't think there's going to be a flock to Puerto Rico, but I think people are certainly eyeing it as we see high-tax states like California, New York, and other states like that that uh, people are fleeing from because of some of the fiscal policy uh, that's coming out of there. I chuckle. Byron's a lifetime New Yorker. Uh, that this comment they put aside their fear of hurricanes. They're not. They haven't been so concerned with hurricanes that they haven't flooded South Florida or Naples or Orlando. I know. And you and I gr- lived in Florida for twenty plus years, and <laughs> exactly you know, we made it. So. I think this is absolutely interesting. And I mean, people. There were a lot of expats going to Mexico before the problems they started having with with some of the drug cartels and violence. Puerto Rico is probably going to get incentives from tax incentives. They may even give people tax credits to rebuild after the hurricanes. For instance, throughout the 70s and 80s, they gave all the pharmaceutical companies tax credits to build their manufacturing plants in Puerto Rico, and that's their major industry there. But they put a tax credit for property bought in Puerto Rico. I could see this absolutely happening. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's a hop on a plane to get down there from Miami. So... It's not much of a commute to get to the mainland there, but interesting. And and that now officially concludes our 10 surprises plus a couple extra of 2022. And guys who are listening, leave us some comments. Email me at eric at shrumpw.com and let us know what you think, how likely some of these are going to be to come true, or if you think that uh, these are not really probable. We're interested to hear after sharing our thoughts. If anyone that's listening to this is is young or young at heart or professional or trying to build a career, a couple of years ago, Byron Wayne put out 10 lessons I learned in life in 50 years of working in finance. And it's, I followed it religiously since I read it. It's 10 of the most insightful things for any person trying to build a career and be a better person. It has nothing to do with investments. It has everything to do with 
charitable giving and networking. And one of them is, for instance, says never retire because you want to find a job. So much you love, you do your entire life. If you type in Byron Ween's lessons on life, it'll pop up a hundred times. Take a minute and read it, particularly if you're building your career. That's good advice. And I think it is a great way to round out our show. So dad, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely have you on for more episodes in the future. For more info, guys, go check out ChristianRetirementPlanner.com and we will talk to you next week. The content provided is for general information and educational purposes only and should not be considered a recommendation of any particular strategy, investment product, or investing advice of any kind. Content is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal or tax advice and or a legal opinion. Please consult a financial professional for your specific situation. Investing involves risks, including the loss of the entire principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views and opinions expressed here are of the author and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Strom Private Wealth Management, LLC. Investment advisory services offered through Shrum Private Wealth Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.